Welcome back to From the Bridge. I'm Rick Jones coming to you from the low country of South Carolina. Today's show is all about the college football bowl system and the bowl games. The new executive director of the Football Bowl Association, now called Bowl Season, Nick Carparelli, will be our guest. The FBA is the consortium of all 42 bowl games. We won't have them all this year because of COVID. Some of these games have actually been canceled, but it looks like we're going to have as many as 30 games that will be played in December and January. We'll learn about Nick's plans for remaking the organization, the new marketing campaign, call bowl season, and more. We'll also jump back up on the soapbox and find another terrific place to eat on the road with Rick. So let's cast off. I love the bowl system and the bowl games. So when did bowl games begin? We know that last fall, college football celebrated its 150th season. The first game was played on November 6th, 1869, between Princeton and Rutgers. But the first bowl game was not played until 1902 in Pasadena, California, in the East versus West Classic. That game featured a game between Michigan and Stanford, which Michigan won 49 to nothing. That game had been organized by the Tournament of Roses Committee. And the Tournament of Roses Committee was organized to try to bring tourists to Southern California in the shoulder period, in that early winter period of time. And so in 1960, 1916, that same Tournament of Roses Committee started an annual game, this time between Washington State and Brown. And in 1923, they moved the game to the new Rose Bowl Stadium that had been named that by the Yale Bowl. It was built much like the Yale Bowl in a bowl, and um, and they called the game the Rose Bowl, and the names of bowls began. The Tournament of Roses was, again, created to entice these winter travelers to Southern California as an economic generator, and other warm-weather cities paid attention <laughs> and decided to get in on that. In 1933, the Orange Bowl was created in Miami, the Sugar Bowl in 1935 in New Orleans, the Sun Bowl in El Paso in 1936, and the Cotton Bowl in Dallas in 1937. Believe it or not, there was a Bacardi Bowl game in Havana, Cuba, also in 1937, which turned out to be Auburn's first bowl game when they played Villanova. Today, we have bowl games all across the country, and they serve four main purposes. Number one, they are a reward to teams for the success of their season. You know, almost every coach will say, uh, we, we want to have a goal of going to a bowl game. That's very, very exciting, especially when you're trying to turn a program around. You know, you may be taking a team that has lost – for several years, and and you're just saying, in this first year, we want to do everything we can to get us to a bowl game. The second thing they do is it provides television programming during the holiday season. We're home, we've got family members, we're all together, and we've got a whole lot of bowl games we get to watch. 
Thirdly, bowl games drive tourism and economic generation to cities and communities who put on these bowl games. And finally, the bowl games serve as fundraising mechanisms for both national and local charities affiliated with these bowl games. All of those things are very valuable. You know, players receive gifts. Many times they receive a gift from a catalog of choices where you can go to the catalog and pick out what you want. In other words, if you'd gotten a PlayStation the year before, you don't need another one, so you get to go to a catalog and do that. Players also compete in special competitions and events. They see local sites, they visit the charities, and they enjoy great local foods and hospitality. The games are also great fun for fans who travel and enjoy those cities and the various activities around the bowl games. The bowl season's important to us, and I'm glad we're going to have one this year. It's time to jump back up on my soapbox. I hope the bowl season will happen this year with some fans. You know, there's something about playing in a stadium with fans that we've all kind of missed this year. Teams and individual players have been, you know, through so much in 2020, and a season-ending trip to a bowl game would be a fulfilling end to a trying season and an even more trying year, especially if mom and dad can be there to see you play. At this time, we still don't know about uh, state laws, uh, COVID restrictions, and those kinds of things. We just don't know how many fans may be allowed in the stadiums at those games. But if they do allow fans, I hope many of my listeners will plan to travel to go to these games. The local communities have suffered so, and these local economies need fans to come and spend some money on hotels, restaurants, and sightseeing. Your presence at a ball game shows hope for a return to normalcy and can make a real difference in the communities who run these ball games. And if you can't travel to a game, please watch as many as you can. And that's my view of ball games from the soapbox. My special guest is the executive director of Bowl Season, the consortium of all the ball games. Nick started his career working at both Syracuse and Notre Dame, and then with Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, and then again at the Big East Conference, followed by a stint running college sports marketing at Under Armour before becoming the new executive director of bowl season in December of 2019. Let's welcome Nick Carparelli to the bridge. Nick, great to have you with us today. Good, good to be with you guys. Well, you you had a short honeymoon. You get named to this position uh, with what was then the FBA in December of last year, and no one at that time had heard of COVID nineteen, but it quickly got here. And so you haven't you haven't had much of a <laughs> of a honeymoon. Let me just kind of get my sea legs and watch things happen. You had to pivot. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, uh, it wasn't the ideal time to start a, a new job, but, uh, you know, my situation's not, uh, not unique. You know, we're all going through some difficult times. Um, and I'm very, very fortunate to have this job. I, I I'm, I'm, 
fortunate that I have known all the bowl directors for years, you know, and that's probably one of the reasons I, I was hired in the first place. You know, I, back at the big East, I, you know, negotiated bowl deals for all our, all our football programs at, at that time. I, I served on the NCAA uh, football issues committee, which was also the bowl licensing committee. Um, so, you know, I think anytime you find an, uh, you start a new job, you, you kind of need to learn the, learn the players, learn the politics uh, internally and, and find your way. And then you also need to, to, you know, get up to speed on the subject matter and to be able to do the job. Um, fortunately, you know, knowing the people and, and, uh, who to go to and, uh, and them knowing me, I, I had a head start on that. Otherwise it would have been uh, an impossible job to start uh, when I did, but, um, I can't complain. It's a great job. I love having it. And, uh, you know, we're doing the best we can. And, uh, obviously last week you guys saw the, um, bowl schedule announcement which was uh, really big for us and really big uh, for all of college football i think yeah this this we we do uh, each week with our show we kind of do a theme around one subject and the theme today are the bowl games and one of the things that i was really pleased to see was the effort you led to rebrand you know what was traditionally a non-consumer facing trade association that really didn't have a meaning to a fan to now this new concept of bowl season. Talk, talk about that effort and why you did it and how it came about. Yeah. So the vision, the vision came about by, you know, simply analyzing the sports landscape in, in this country. You think about, you know, the four major sports, you know, the NFL, major league baseball, the NBA, NHL, and you think about college basketball, you think about college football. I mean, those six entities are, I mean, that, that, that's, those are the biggest, you know, um, the, the entities that have the, the most value and the most interest, you know, in this country. And, and they all have great regular seasons and they all brand their post seasons uniquely, you know, and you kind of look at the calendar, we come, come to count on certain, you know, times of year that we're going to see the NFL playoffs. We see March madness in March, obviously. And then spring brings the NHL and the NBA playoffs. I, October baseball, I, I, I love baseball and that's always a special time. And when you get to December is bowl season, you know, it's a, it's a three, plus week time of year that uh, people turn on their TVs on a, on a Wednesday between Christmas and New Year's. They don't even know what bowl game's on, but they know they're going to find one and, and they don't even know who's playing, but they look forward to, to seeing whoever it is. And it's uh, it's really a brand that's existed for, for over 100 years uh, since the Rose Bowl first started in 1902. But it, it's just never been formalized, you know, and um, I just don't think the bowl system was set up for that in the past, it was it was a very competitive process back in the old days when 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 uh, bowl games would, would bid at the end of the season for the top teams. You know, now it's uh, there, there's a lot more partnerships. There's contracts in advance with conferences and bowl games. Bowl games work together in a lot of ways now more than they ever did before. So I think the timing was right. Uh, and I also think it, it, it now provides us a platform to promote the bowl system and all the great things it does for everybody involved, the student athletes, the fans, the communities that host them. Um, so we're, we're going to be uh, try to be uh, better storytellers and we'll be able to do it under this bowl season brand. Well, I like the colors, too. I, I, I told somebody years ago that the only thing I thought the bowls competed against were Santa Claus. And uh, <laughs> and and so you came with holiday colors that I thought was pretty interesting um but i you know I, i've said you know we do two things during the bowl season we overeat <laughs> and we <laughs> overindulge in bowl games we watch a lot of bowl games and and now you've kind of put a, a bow around this you know you've packaged it in a way that i think 
fans will understand, but I also think sponsors will understand that they're a part of something bigger than just their own entitlement or their own uh, little little small slither of the bowl uh, season. Yeah, we think so. You know, you, you, you know, I've I've worked for for football programs in my career, and and I certainly know a lot of coaches. And you know, when they go over goals for the season with their team, and one of the very first goals that they set for themselves is to make a bowl game. You know, but 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 what what is that a bowl game? You know, it's 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 a little bit generic. It's a little bit, you know, uh, you know, it could be any one of them. Now they aspire to be a part of bowl season. Um, it's just you know, from a simple marketing standpoint, as you said, it, it makes a lot of sense. But it also gives gives people uh, something to grab onto. And, and when they get their sixth win, you know, which could be uh, the week six, week seven, week week twelve, um, you know, from that point forward, the rest of the season, they know they're a part of bowl season. They don't know what game they're going to yet, but they're a part of something something special and something bigger, as you alluded to, to as you alluded to. Well, I saw when the Army qualified this season earlier and and went ahead and committed to go into the Independence Bowl, and I thought, you know, what a great, you know, great celebration, you know, because I, I think, you know, Jeff Mockey said, hey, I, we want to qualify for a ball game, and then they do, and then you get to celebrate it. I, I want to talk a little bit about your background, because when you were named the executive director, I thought, wow, what a great pick, because you have touched every phase of the bowl season, you know, the, the system, um, from working in college football to working at a conference, to working at a brand, talk a little bit about your background. Yeah. And, uh, certainly, and I think you're right. You know, I, I, uh, I'm I'm very blessed to have this job. I honestly think I have, have the greatest job in sports uh, for a number of reasons. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel I'm lucky because I was probably, uh, one of just a very small, a uh, group of people who was uh, as qualified for this job as I am. So uh, probably no great accomplishment that they hired me. I just happened to have some good luck along the way. But you you mentioned that going back to my first job in sports, I was a graduate assistant at Syracuse University for Paul Pasqualoni in the early 90s. We, you know, our, my very first year there, we went to the Fiesta Bowl. We beat Colorado. And, you know, for a, you know, a 22-year-old kid, that's like, wow, you know, how great is this? So, so that kind of pulled me into that profession. I, I went, I was, I went to the Fiesta Bowl again when I was uh, running recruiting at Notre Dame. Um, you know, I worked for Coach Belichick in New England. I went to a different, different type of bowl game there, but uh, we'll, we'll count that one. Fortunately, yeah, you, you should. Yeah, it's a pretty good. Fortunately for me, that one's not <laughs> under my umbrella. I'd like to have that one. The whole enterprise might be even more valuable if I had that one, but. Um, but then at the Big East, working for Mike Trangese, you know, he empowered me to to really run the entire football program there. So at the Big East. So we, um, you know, I negotiated all of our bowl deals uh, and we had we, we were had uh, partnerships with many different bowl games over the years as our conference reconfigured a couple of times. Um, I was uh, a member of uh, nominated to be on the NCAA. Like I said earlier, the NCAA bowl licensing committee, I was the chair of that committee. So in that capacity, I knew every single bowl game there was. And, and also back, back then, uh, you know, in the BCS era, you know, before Bill Hancock was, was hired as an employee, there were no employees. Each commissioner, if you remember, Rick took turns being the coordinator of the BCS and they had to carry that burden for a two year term. So when Mike Trangese was in that role, I was I was by his side the whole time, working with the BCS Bulls, working with the ten conference commissioners, um, and then moving to Under Armour, I was you know running college sports marketing. I was looking at looking at it from a from a uh, br- the brand side of things. Uh, I was in charge of doing 
apparel deals with with universities across the country and and did some deals with bowl games as well. So I was on the sponsorship uh, uh, buying side there. So honestly, I think it all all those experiences came together when this opportunity opened. I I was really excited. I, I saw. I said, "Wow, I think I'm a good fit for that." And I didn't have to wait long to have that confirmed. As many of the bowl directors reached out to me and said, "Hey, Nick, you you need to apply for this." So um, I think it's a good match, and uh, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Well, there is a level of complexity. I mean, people don't understand. I mean, you've got independent contractors. I mean, you have cities and independent entities that host bowl games. You've got television broadcasters that pay rights. In some cases, my client ESPN actually owns and manages some of the events, but they broadcast a lot more than they do. You've got this whole tie-in with the conferences. And obviously in this COVID year, you know, when you have limited games, you're playing a conference-only schedule in many cases, you know, qualifying for bowls or getting some sort of – um, you know, maybe we'll change the rules this year to be able to accommodate everybody, but it is complicated. And then the other thing I remind people is you, you got to have advertisers. You have to have sponsors. You have to have, you know, people that provide gifts for the players, all these kind. it's, it's a complex ecosystem. And I think your background allows you to, to navigate what I think is a lot of complexity. Yeah, I, 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 I think so too. And, you're right with the complexity, and you know, I have a presentation I, I show to people, um, you know, as we were going through this rebrand and why we were doing it, and one of the slides is about the bowl system, uh, and I put up all the logos. You know, there's 42 bowl games, there's 10 conferences, there's the CFPs, a subset of the bowl games. You have the, the NCAA, you have the network partners, and and uh, they're, they're all independent, but they all have to work together, and, um, you know, I think one of the, the greatest testaments to how important the bowl system is to college football is you know none, none of those entities are forced you know to, to being a part of that system uh but they all want to be you know and especially in a year like this where you know the regular seasons have been shortened some conferences contemplated not playing at all uh but uh now that they're playing again and nobody nobody's playing a full slate of 12 regular season games so that that uh, extra opportunity to play a game in a bowl game uh, and also just to have have that bowl game experience as much as they can for their institutions and for their student athletes is just so important to them this year, uh, probably more so than other years. Well, I've had a chance to go to a lot of bowl games over the years and, you know, from, you know, BCS championships, CFP championships, right down to what I would consider to be smaller uh, bowl games. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, do you think you have too many bowl games? I said, well, go ask the 83rd and 84th team. They're they're, right. ha- they're happy to be there. They they work really hard to be there, um, and I do remind people that the worst bowl game outranks and out <laughs> has higher ratings than the best college basketball game <laughs> regular season game. I mean, people can't get enough of college football, and you know that whole idea of feast week bowl season. I I, I think we we don't have enough. Um, I don't think there are too many bowl games. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I'm not sure why people say that. You know, I, I think um, certainly every single bowl game is so meaningful to the people involved, you know, and and there's a bowl game for everybody. I mean, there's there's a 14 playoff. Maybe it goes to eight someday, but there's 130 FBS institutions and that that playoff, you know, the way college football is structured, no matter what the playoff becomes, it can't possibly accommodate the, the, the greater uh, the greater number of of uh, FBS programs. The, you know, the, we all know there are certain 
a lot of programs that can't even dream about making that 14 playoff. So what are they playing for? You know, and there's a bowl game for every program, no matter where you are in your stage of your development, no matter how young your roster might be, no matter what type of conference you may be, there's a place you can aspire to go and, and, and uh, have a successful, a reward for a successful season. I look at, you know, a couple ends of the spectrum, just this past year, you know, when Kent state went to the Frisco bowl and beat Utah state, I was shocked to find out that that was Kent state's first bowl victory in the history of their school. Now, obviously they're not uh, an elite level program, but they're a division one program. that has been around a long time. They have a great history of, of players going on to the NFL of great coaches that have gone through there. And, and, and for that to be their first bowl victory ever and to see how they reacted after that, it was, it was awesome. You know, then you look on, uh, uh, you know, you look to the other end, you look at an SEC team like Tennessee. They started out last season two and six. What did they have to play for? Right. But they 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 managed they had that bowl game goal, you know, in mind. They had a big upset in uh, over the course of the last four games. They won their last four. They were six and six. They go to the Gator Bowl and played a really good Indiana team. The entire state of Tennessee went to that game. They were so excited. Tennessee wins the game to have a winning season. That was so, so meaningful to those people. Nowhere near a playoff, but but uh, but bowl, having that bowl experience and that um, goal at the end of the season was just critical for them, and it's just a great story. And one of the whole things we hope to do with this bowl season brand is to now use this platform to tell stories like that. Well, I had a chance to go to the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl last year, and Cincinnati played Boston College, and you know, it's an interesting deal. Boston College had fired their head coach, and they've obviously hired the right guy now. But he, he was able to, you know, be in that environment and watch the kids um, and see, hey, what kind of hand am I dealt? At the same time, I watched Cincinnati that had great joy in winning that game realize that there's bigger things to play for. And I, I think their success last year in that bowl game, I think, has led to the success that they're having right now. Um, in this season, so I agree with you. Yeah, you I know, mean, it's all, oftentimes yeah. bowl games are not for some schools. It's the it's the culmination of a successful season. It's the end of the year for a lot of programs. It's actually it's kind of the beginning of the next year. You know, where it, it can provide tremendous momentum for a building program to to head into the next year. And I think you're you're absolutely right, Rick. That's that's the case with Cincinnati. Well, in this case, you know, you're going to have potentially two to three weeks that you may. Well, maybe not that long, but you're going to have a week or so that a lot of young players can get reps in practice and then have a chance to come uh, play in the game and be ready for next year from that standpoint. Nick, one of the things that I've um, that I really strongly believe in is is how the bowl games have been good for cities, how they're good for tourism. And how, in many cases, they're really good for the charities because almost every ball game ha- has a charity that benefits, um, you know, from ticket sales or sponsorship sales or even just the visibility that comes with being part of a ball game. Talk talk a little bit about that as part of the ecosystem. Yes, I mean, if if you go back in time, you know, when the Rose Bowl was created, and then you know, it was a, it was a few years later that the, the the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Sun Bowl followed um the whole purpose of the bowl game was to stimulate tourism in a, in a local economy at a time of year when people typically weren't traveling around the holidays um and i think to this day it's it still serves that purpose 
but it's expanded even more so. Some of the bowl organizations that have been around a long time, they're 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 uh, it, it's a full year, a full calendar of events and community impact. Whether it's starting youth football leagues under that bowl's uh, brand, whether it's uh, various community service uh, projects, charitable um, contributions. Some have a basketball tournament. Some have a parade. Um, there's other events and luncheons throughout the year, and it's really a, a source of pride for a lot of communities. So not only does it continue to stimulate tourism, um, you know, over the holidays, but it's really kind of a part of the identity of a lot of communities. And, and those bowl organizations do so much good for the communities that they're in throughout the year. All right, let's switch gears now and talk about how challenging this year may be because um, obviously every day we're getting new information about safety, about the fact the virus won't go away. So you're overseeing, you know, a number of bowl games. I know a number have been canceled um, because of um, destinations that, you know, teams can't get to, whether those were, you know, travels to Hawaii or travels to the Bahamas or other places. But you know, we've got to keep players and, 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 and traveling parties safe. We've got to keep fans safe. What do you think it's going to look like this year? Do you think we'll have fans? Will we have any special events, or is it still a little too early to tell? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, in terms of special events in the bowl week per se, you know, typically uh, student-athletes will show up in the, in, in the host, uh, in the bowl, bowl community you know, four, five, six days in advance, and it's a week of events. I don't think you're going to see that this year. I think they're going to be two-day trips uh, where the where the teams fly in. They pretty much stay to their hotel. I think the bull organizations will do the best job they can to give them some of the local flavor. You know, if, uh, the, you know, the Liberty Bowl, I'm sure, is going to still bring barbecue into the hotel to feed the feed the kids. Um, they'll get their bowl gifts and and they'll play their game. It'll it'll be a great experience. Um, I think the um, in terms of fans, you know, you know, I, I think your guess is as good as mine. I don't think you're going to see uh, anything radically different than the regular season. Uh, I think, as we know, it, these are state by state decisions. Uh, you're seeing very different, uh, different stadium looks in terms of uh, attendance. Some some uh, venues have not had a fan yet all year. Uh, and st- some look pretty full to me. I, I don't I look creative spacing, creative accounting, I guess. But uh, I, I think you're you're going to see basically what you're seeing in the regular season uh, is what you're going to see in the bowl season. Yeah, I've laughed about some of the stadiums where obviously people have 90 people in their family because uh, they're they're, yes. they're all sitting together, and so it it has been an interesting time. But but you know clearly this adds a level of complexity for bowl operators in terms of, you know, you know, the, the whole testing mechanisms. And I, I assume that bowls will let teams do their own testing, um, in a, in a way that, that the teams feel comfortable with it rather than a bowl put in a new system. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, the, the health and safety of everybody involved is, is the most uh, of the utmost importance. Um, just like it is in the regular season. The, however, you know, bowl games are, are in a, an advantageous position where they don't, they don't need to uh, reinvent the wheel here. And in fact, I think their institutional and conference partners would prefer they didn't, you know, uh, conferences and, and institutions will have had a full season of, of, of pr- uh, best practices and protocols and safety procedures in place that they've been following for, you know, eight, nine, 10 games. So um, those conferences are going to want to continue 
that same routine that that's worked for them all year. And, uh, and bowl games are, are, are not going to want to uh, interfere with that. So I, I think uh, the health and safety is very important. I think we have a lot of confidence in, in, in the conferences and, and, and what they've have in place for their student athletes. And I think that's, that's what's going to uh, happen during the bowl season as well. You know, what I do like about the bowls are the different cultural nuances of each one. You know, the, the Sun Bowl, one of the oldest bowls in the country in El Paso, is just a different atmosphere than, than even the Chick-fil-A Bowl in Atlanta that's different than, you know, uh, the, the, the military bowl game in D.C. I'm excited about next year, the Fenway Bowl, you know, having players having a chance to play in that iconic venue. I know that the Pinstripe Bowl is, is special because you get to play in that iconic uh, place. But they're all different, aren't they? Well, that's, yeah, they are. And that's the best part about it. You know, it's, it's a, um, you know, for, for student athletes to experience all those cities you mentioned and, and others um, is something that a lot of them uh, or most of them, I should say, uh, have never had the opportunity to do and, and may never have the opportunity to do in their lifetimes to, uh, to, to be hosted in a community like that where you're shown uh, you know, the, the best that that region has to offer. And, and you have um, employees of the bowl game, volunteers, the entire community embracing your existence in their town for, for that period of time and just um, uh, absolutely treating you like kings. And, um, and and as you said, showing you all, showing you everything that that region has to offer. I mean, that's, I mean, I, sign me up for that. You know, I'll, I'll take 42 of those trips, uh, you know, anytime uh, they want me to come, it's uh, it's such a special experience, and uh, student athletes are very very fortunate to have that. I also like the fact that you know March Madness, as good as it is, only one team goes home happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a forty-two game bowl system, forty-two teams go home happy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's kind of positive. I like that. I like ending yeah. the year on a win. For sure. For sure. I mean, our pro season is different and, and we embrace that. You know, I I think, you know, when people uh, uh, criticize you know, some of the bowls and, and they, they, they don't understand how much meaning they have, it's because it's it's not in a nice, neat, you know, package of a, a bracketed survive and, exa- and advance one winner kind of a format. But as we talked about earlier, college football is not set up to be that. Right. So so what is the bowl system? We've, you know, along with our bowls, new bowl season brand, we've we've incorporated the tagline, a celebration of college football. And we think that's exactly what the bowl season is. It's a it's a it's an end of a series of uh, events at the end of the season held across the country uh, to reward uh, teams after a successful season. And the definition of success is very, very different depending on the type of program you are. So you take all those bowl games across the country and you have 42 winners uh, and these communities are, are be, get being exposed to the great game of college football. It's truly a celebration of college football. So, so we think that tagline uh, uh, suits who we are very well. I think one of the great celebrations too is I love to see seniors this is the last time, in many cases, you know, so many, so few players going to play in the National Football League. This is it. They've played this sport, you know, from the first grade right on up to being a senior. And you get to play in a bowl game. Your family's there. That's pretty special. That's a moment I think people remember for the rest of their lives. 
It is Rick for sure. You know, and people ask why, you know, uh, why we, it was so important that we have a bowl season this year. And, you know, the, the first answer is because, because schools want it. Conferences want, want these games to be played. But the other is that we think we have an obligation to the, to those seniors, you know, as you stated, since they were five years old, they've grown up dreaming about playing football at the highest level and to play and to play in bowl games uh, in college. And for these seniors, 95% or more of, of uh, college seniors at the FBS level do not play in the NFL. So this is their last football game they will ever play in their life. And it's so important that that opportunity be preserved for them. And we're, we're excited that we're able to do that. Well, college football is so uniquely American and the bowl system is so uniquely American and I believe with everything that's happened this year, with, with a tough year in so many ways between social unrest and the virus and, and in, in an ugly political arena, it's going to be nice to celebrate, you know, what unites us instead of what divides us. And I think that's a, a big thing that the bowl games can do. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think we're... Uh... Yeah, I mean, well, let's not get into politics uh, here, at the, you know, here. But I think you can't deny, you know, that uh, we're a divided country right that right now, and um, you know, sports has a way of bringing us together, and, and college football in particular. And, uh, when when uh, when a, a team and a group of fans are, are all on the football field together, it's uh, all that other nonsense goes out the window. It really does. I've always said that when I go to a football game and have that shared experience. I don't know that the person next to me is a Democrat or Republican or if they're straight or gay or if they're rich or poor. We just, we're just we just pulling for the same team. We're, we're, right. we're all on that team, and, and, I, and I like the metaphor of that going forward. Let me, let me close with one more question. You know, new year for you, a very challenging year, but what, what's your vision for the bowl games going forward? What, what, what do you want to accomplish in the next few years to, to help uh, bowl season and help, help these bowl games? Yeah. Well, now, now that we, we have this bowl season brand launched uh, and we're, we'll, we'll figure out a way one way or another to get through a, a very difficult year for all of us. And, and these bowl games will be successful just like they always are. You know, hopefully we get that back to normal very quickly. And, when that happens, uh, you know, we're going to use that bowl season brand to, to help promote the bowl system and to tell all the great stories involved. And I think you're going to see some some uh, some very, uh, very cool, unique initiatives, um, uh, some great content that we create for our website and social media channels. And I think you're going to see a lot of people, uh, you know, rallying behind this bowl season brand to to help us promote it. Um, there's a lot of stakeholders in college football, and I think the strength of the bowl system and the bowl season brand uh, uh, positively impacts uh, all of those people. So I think you're going to see a, a lot of a lot of things in the upcoming years that uh, that you haven't seen before. But if we do it right, uh, it's going to be very familiar to everybody. And uh, I think after a very short period of time, people are going to look at what we're doing and, and say, "Wow, either one they 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 should have been doing this a long time ago, or they're going to think we've been doing it forever." Um, so that's, that's something we're really looking forward to. Well, every game does tell a story, um, and, and the ability to tell those stories more broadly and to get more people involved, uh, in the bowl system, I think it's a great thing. Nick, I can't thank you enough for being with us today from the bridge. Anytime, Rick, happy to be at visiting with you and, uh, 
you know, good luck to you the rest of the year. Hopefully we, hopefully things get back to normal quickly and uh, we can see each other uh, on the road. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it. Let's close today's show back on the road with Rick. I've been to literally dozens of bowl games, but it turns out that I've been to the Sugar Bowl, now called the All-State Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, the most of any bowl games. It's hard to tell you my favorite place to eat in NOLA, so I won't try today. Instead, let's head out of New Orleans across the Huey Long Bridge on US 90 to a small community near the sugarcane fields on the road to Homa in the little town of West Wago. Here you'll find one of the best and most unusual restaurants in the world, Moscas. Moscas was started in 1946 by Provino and Lisa Mosca. Now, legend has it that the mob moved a Don from New York down to New Orleans and that he couldn't find the great Italian food that he loved in New York, so he brought his own chef down there, the Moscas. Um, and there's the legend that said the reason they put it out in the woods is it's halfway between the swamps where they dump the bodies. Uh, and when, after you do that, if you whack somebody, you're looking for something good to eat. So I don't know if that's true, but I do know that it still has that kind of mob feel to it. It's in a nondescript concrete block building, but inside you'll find white tablecloths, Sinatra on the jukebox, Italian wines, and amazing food which simply can't be found anywhere else. It's a unique blend of Italian and Creole. They have dishes like oysters mosca, which is made with whole oysters smothered in Italian seasoning and then topped with breadcrumbs and baked and you sop it up with that good New Orleans French bread. Or how about shrimp mosca, shrimp with the shells still on them in a white wine sauce. They also make a terrific chicken cacciatore. They make spaghetti bordelaise with olive oil, butter and garlic, and other spaghetti dishes. It is truly a bucket list place well worth the trip out of New Orleans. But it's also a cash-only place. They don't take checks and they don't take credit cards. It's Mosca's on the road with Rick. That's a wrap for today. There's only five more shows left in season two. Thanks to Nick Carparelli for being my guest today. We hope to see you back here next week from the bridge.